You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning with me, Justine Moss. A very good morning to you. Crossing now to Simon Marks, our U.S. Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Hi, Simon. Hello, Justine. Thanks for joining us here once again. Let's start off with a, a bit of uh, exciting news uh, on the COVID-19 vaccination front. Uh, Merck seeking authorization for the first antiviral pill. Uh, a trial has found that it did halve the cost of hospitalization uh, or death for some people. Yes, this is potentially the pill that the world has been waiting for, uh, because remember that up until now, the only existing treatments for COVID-19, of course, have been vaccines, uh, as opposed to any kind of therapeutic treatment that can help you uh, if you catch uh, COVID-19 itself. But Merck is saying this pill, which is branded under the name Molnupiravir, and I suspect we're all going to have to learn how to say that until it uh, drips off the tongue, uh, has uh, shown uh, pretty remarkable results in uh, early stage trials, reducing hospitalizations and deaths by 50% uh, when taken by those people who have contracted COVID-19. Merck is sufficiently confident uh, in this pill that they are now asking uh, the Food and Drug Administration to authorise it for emergency use. And it's possible that within the next few weeks, uh, not only will that authorisation occur, but then we'll very rapidly start seeing uh, the drug being used in uh, a variety of of hospital and clinical settings uh, across the United States, which, of course, will then give everybody the opportunity uh, to gather more data on its efficacy, as Merck will doubtless be hoping that ultimately uh, it secures full-time authorization for use from the Food and Drug Administration. The study that was conducted uh, of Molnupiravir uh, tracked 775 adults with mild to moderate COVID-19 uh, symptoms, uh, but they were considered high-risk uh, for severe disease because they, other, they had comorbidities like uh, diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity and other uh, pre-existing medical conditions. And among those patients who were given uh, molnupiravir, 7.3% were hospitalized or died at the end of a month compared to 14% of those who were given a placebo. So that is how uh, Merck comes up with this figure that it sort of reduces hospitalizations and deaths by up to 50%. Uh, But clearly the company, the FDA and everybody else will be very keen to see if it is granted emergency use uh, authorization, whether those statistics get borne out uh, as Uh, the drug is used on a wider basis and whether this does indicate that we're now heading down a new road with COVID-19, that it won't simply be a case of potentially getting uh, vaccinated uh, in order to protect yourself from catching COVID-19. But if you get COVID-19, being able to take a pill like this one as therapy to ease your path through the sickness. Long way to go for all of this, but no question it's very exciting news. Yeah, a real breakthrough. Simon, let's go to uh, Capitol Hill now. Congress did pass that temporary measure to keep the the federal government funded until early December, but uh, President Biden's suffering a setback after Congress to delay that vote on that uh, $1 trillion infrastructure plan, and he's, uh, he's had a visit there to Capitol Hill today. 
Yes, he went up to Capitol Hill just within the last uh, three or four hours, met with Democratic Party leaders from the House and the Senate, uh, and then the entire Democratic Party caucus, uh, amid what has been a very difficult few days for President Biden. Because remember, there are two signature pieces of legislation. They are the central pillars and planks of his domestic agenda that are absolutely hanging in the balance now uh, amid internecine warfare among Democrats. The president and his fellow moderates caught between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, he's got left-wing Democrats like Senator Bernie Sanders, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who really want to see large amounts of public spending to soak the rich and alleviate Uh, poverty. But on the other hand, the president's got right-leaning members of his own Democratic Party, like Senator Joe Manchin uh, of Virginia or Senator Kristen Sinema from Arizona, uh, who don't favor these enormous trillion and trillion and trillions of dollars of public spending because they worry about the impact of all of that on the national debt. So he's trying to forge some kind of compromise. As he left Capitol Hill tonight, he told reporters, we're going to get it done. And when they pressed him and said, when, he said, well, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it happens in the next six minutes, six hours, six days or six weeks. We are going to get it done. And certainly the White House is now speaking about the president spending the weekend and certainly the early part of next week continuing to make the case for these spending measures in a bill in a bid to drag them across the finishing line. The one bit of good news out of Congress this week, no government shut down. They stepped back from that abyss on Thursday night. But there is still this issue of the need to raise the debt ceiling if the United States is going to avoid for the first time ever defaulting on its debts. Uh, And there has not yet been any progress on that matter either. So all sorts of complexities uh, in which the president finds himself entangled on Capitol Hill. You're listening to Asia First Weekend Edition this Saturday morning with me, Justine Moss, speaking to Simon Marks, our U.S. Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Simon, let's go to President Biden's administration now set to urge a judge to block that near total ban on abortion, which was imposed by Texas, uh, the strictest such law in in the nation, um, in a key battle in the legal war over that abortion access in the U.S., Yes. And in fact, the first uh, court hearing with regard to this took place in Texas uh, here today, Friday in the United States with the Biden administration asking the courts to halt the law. This is the most restrictive uh, law on abortion anywhere in the United States. And unlike other laws that have been passed in other states, it puts an enormous amount of power in the hands of individual citizens in Texas to uh, pursue essentially private legal action when they believe they are witnessing crimes under the terms of this law with regard to abortion uh, being committed. So, for example, if someone were to drive some uh, a woman uh, to undergo uh, a, an abortion that would break uh, the terms of this law, the driver of the car could be threatened with private prosecution by uh, a a citizen of Texas under the terms of the law. The Biden administration, of course, sees uh, abortion uh, and the right to choose abortion uh, as an absolutely principal issue 
uh, in certainly the 2024 presidential election and the midterm elections that will be taking place in November of 2022. This is a, a core issue uh, for Democrats. And so the White House is asking the judge uh, in Texas to um, overturn uh, this particular law. We don't know when there's going to be uh, a decision coming out of the court with regard to the hearing that was held on Friday. Uh, but it is highly likely, whatever the decision, whatever the outcome, that one side or the other will appeal. And this could end up in the hands of the Supreme Court, providing a fresh test uh, for Roe versus Wade, that landmark ruling in the 1970s uh, that effectively uh, uh, legalized abortion uh, throughout the United States. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a decision that Republicans are absolutely determined to try and get overturned. So the battle lines being very clearly drawn in Texas, but they have national implications. Simon, let's go to social media now and Facebook facing a grilling from US senators this week on its plans to, to better protect young users on its uh, app. Now, um, leaked internal research did show that Facebook was, was aware of how its Instagram app harmed the mental health of teens. Yeah. And of course, Facebook abandoned plans to launch an Instagram kids app this week after uh, that report in the Wall Street Journal, fueled by a whistleblower from inside the company uh, who claims that the company was absolutely aware of some of the pernicious uh, impacts of its social media platforms on particularly younger users. So uh, Facebook executives on Thursday uh, on Capitol Hill were on the receiving end of a variety of salvos from uh, members of the U.S. Senate, some of whom compared the company's behavior to the behavior by big tobacco companies in the 1980s and 90s. Remember that big tobacco companies suppressed research that showed uh, the addictive nature of their products that led to them uh, being uh, hauled over the coals and facing all sorts of uh, legal consequences for their actions as that became clear. The whistleblower who informed this Wall Street Journal report uh, is, we believe, being brought before Congress next week to testify. So Facebook by no means uh, out of uh, the legislative and regulatory woods. Uh, and Facebook's biggest problem, Mark Zuckerberg's biggest problem, has been for months now that he just doesn't have many friends on Capitol Hill. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, Justine. Mm. You see these hearings where Facebook executives and Twitter executives and others are hauled before committees of Congress and sort of these somewhat elderly members of Congress often struggle to understand precisely how these social media platforms uh, work. But their biggest problem is they don't have very many allies on Capitol Hill. And when that whistleblower report hit, it absolutely underscored the determination of some uh, in Congress to try and limit the impacts that Facebook and other social media platforms are having uh, on society. So we're in for more of it next week. Uh, but it's pretty clear that uh, having uh, um, shelved that plan to launch the Instagram Kids app, Facebook certainly is aware of the difficulty in which it finds itself. Mm. Simon, let's uh, finish off with, with the markets. Um, a good start to October. Wall Street uh, kicking uh, the month off with some gains, uh, advancing in a broad rally. In fact, all three major U.S. stock indexes uh, began trending higher. 
Yeah, and investors, I think, were you know were really keen for a, a good start to the month because, of course, September had been pretty rough with uh, the major indices all losing around 4% in value over the course of the month. Uh, but in Friday's trading, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up just under one and a half percentage points in value, uh, the NASDAQ just under one percentage point higher in trading, and the S&P 500 just over one percentage point in value higher in Friday's trading. Uh, buoyed by a couple of different things. I mean, first of all, President Biden's uh, seeming optimism after that meeting with members of Congress that he is going to get these spending bills passed and uncork the logjam on Capitol Hill. Also buoyed by news of that Merck pill for COVID-19 because it is concerns about COVID-19 and its lingering impacts on the economy that continues to haunt the markets. Uh, next week, we, we will see jobs numbers. We're already hearing from the White House uh, that President Biden will be addressing the country after they uh, have been published. That suggests that perhaps the White House is feeling pretty optimistic about where those jobs numbers are going to go. But they're certainly going to provide uh, the freshest data we've seen uh, about uh, the health uh, of the U.S. economy and the recovery. Uh, And so traders kicking the month off in positive territory and uh, doubtless hoping that they will be uh, continuing uh, that uh, positive uh, trajectory uh, as next week uh, arrives and brings what they hope will be yet more positive news. Fingers crossed. Simon, thank you again for speaking to us here in Singapore and keeping us updated. Thanks, Justine. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Speaking there with Simon Marks, our US Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C.